0: Welcome to A Word in Season with Dextringer and Friends. We share good news and godly wisdom to empower you to be salt and light in every season of life. When he was shot while hunting, Pastor Chris McCray thought it was the end. Now Senior Pastor of Sojourn Church in Dallas, Texas, Chris was reminded that no weapon formed against him shall prosper when we are doing the Lord's will. Join Chris and host Dextringer for this captivating discussion. After the episode, consider leaving a review and follow us on your favorite streaming service. If you've gleaned anything from this podcast, consider paying it forward with a gift at somebodycares.org. Now let's join our
1: host, Doug Stringer. Chris, thank you so much for being with us today. Well, thank you, Doug.
0: I I really appreciate it. And for you guys that are watching, we as a soldier in church and the relationship that we've had with Somebody Cares and Doug Stringer for over the years has been such an amazing. Now, Doug didn't didn't know this, but he's been a hero of mine. I've been an admirer of his since I was, you know, really young. One of the, uh, just a pinnacle, something that's been great in my life was to be able to minister with him together on the same stage. That That was like premier for me. And so I was very uh, I was very thankful. I told my wife, I go, You ain't gonna believe this. I get to I get to minister with with Doug Stringer on this, at the men's fellowship and breakfast that we had. And so she was like, well that's really amazing. So I'm really thankful and so appreciate the partnership and the relationship, Doug, that we've had over the years. And we'll continue to support and love you and the ministry and your wife. Uh, you guys have just been amazing and d- just have done so much to help people around the world. So I'm thankful
1: for you as well. Thank you, my brother. Well, I remember when we, you came up and were saying some of these things, I was like, ah, stop it, you know, because we've known each <laughs> other over the years. And, and uh, now here you are, because in, in your story, you started out at 19 as the janitor at the very church you're the lead pastor, the senior pastor at now. And tell us about your journey in the Lord and then how you ended up at Sojourn Church and then ended up now as a senior pastor. Well, that is a, it's a wild
0: journey, um, <clears throat> not to go four score, seven years, you know, back you know, to back so far, but I got saved at age eight at, uh, on a Thursday night after the Cosby show. My mother uh, led me to the Lord. She, we knelt down beside her bed and she led me I'll never, I'll never forget that, you know, Bill Cosby was laughing. We did a family deal. We'd, we'd sit down and watch the Cosby show. And then I just went, we grew, I grew up in the church. We came from then was, uh, it's John Osteen. We were at Houston. John Osteen was the pastor when I was little, and we went to Oasis of Love, and uh, my parents got filled with the Spirit, and they wanted to uh, go back to their hometown and tell everybody what happened to them because they grew up Baptist. It changed their life, so they, like when they packed up and moved to Arkansas, and that's where I was born in Houston. Texas, and then I moved to Arkansas. I was raised there, but just like they say in Texas, I got back to Texas as fast as I could. I mean, we got back as soon as I could. When I got saved at age eight, it was real. I mean, you say, well, can you really experience- you know, being saved with the awesomeness of what the pre- of how the presence of God can surround you. And I can say, yes, I was saved at, at that, that age. I started preaching. I preached my first message when I was 12 years old, yeah. and I knew, I was like, well, maybe there's something to this, but I was going to go play football for Arkansas because I wanted to play football. I felt like the Lord said that I was supposed to go to Christ for the Nations in in Dallas. When I was 16, Pastor Robert Morris came to our congregation because back then he was traveling. And he would do these presbyteries where he would prophesy over people. And he stood me up. He still calls me tree trunk to this day. He said, uh, "He said tree trunk, stand up. And so I stood up and he said, you're going to always be in ministry. God's got a place on the wall for you. So whatever it is that you thought you were going to do, God's saying you're called to ministry. And I remember walking out of that church service saying, he totally missed that. There's no way I'm going to be in ministry. Uh, you know, there's no. I remember saying that to my buddies and they would all laugh. And then recently, not that long ago, in 2017, when I graduated from the King's University and he handed me my diploma, he was like, uh, hey, tree trunk, how about that word I gave you when you were 16? So God always has a way of circling back and performing, uh, watching over his word to perform it. And so I went to Christ for the Nations. Bright eyed, bushy tailed, I met my wife there, and we needed a place to intern. I was in Bible school. And I remember saying, I'm gonna go to a church and I'm gonna be their greatest gift. I'm gonna, I am gonna help them. I'm any way that I, I am gonna bless the doors off, because I'm called to preach and they need to know it. So I remember walking into the executive pastor's office and saying, uh, hey, uh, I know you guys need me. Uh, where where do you need me? And Lo and behold, they handed me a mop and a broom and a duster and a vacuum cleaner and said, have at it, big boy. And that's what I did for three and a half years. I was a janitor at Sojourn Church. I cleaned the bathrooms. I cleaned and vacuumed for three and a half years. That's where I served. And I was like, do they know I'm in Bible school? I don't think they care, Doug. I really don't think they care. (laughs) They were like, this is where you start, where you start. And so uh, Terry Moore, you know, Pastor Terry Moore. Who this church started in his living room, he would show up in the bathroom and then the, when he'd say, like, What are you doing? And I was like, What does it look like I'm doing? I'm right here cleaning this bathroom. And he would say to me, He goes, Chris, this is the most important job in the whole church. And I'd say, It is not the most important job in the whole church. Your job is the most important job in the whole church. He goes, No, Chris, I'm telling you, this is the most important job. He goes, You're the first person in this room. You're the first person to come into this worship center, start laying hand as you vacuum, start laying hands on the chairs and praying over the people. And uh, he goes, you're the first person in this room as a janitor to cleaning it, clean it. But it's more than that. It's the atmosphere that you're. And so that three and a half years taught me how to serve. And he'd come in the bathroom and he'd be like, I, he'd be like, are you praying? I was like, I don't know how to pray for people in the bathroom. This guy may need healing. I don't know what's going on over here in the restroom, but he he's just, I have no idea how to pray for these people. But praying for the, the rooms and praying over the chairs as a vacuum taught me to have a love for the people. So I was had, a, it was the Lord was training me during that time to just love people and more, not a platform. My platform was my um, cleaning cart that I pushed around. My wardrobe was that apron that I wore when I was cleaning the the gloves. Uh, And I remember um, one of my friends who was traveling with Tommy Tenney at the time, they were coming to Dallas to interview Pastor Terry on a jet. And they called me from the jet and said, Hey, we're interviewing your senior pastor on TBN. Are you going to be there? At the time, right when he was calling me, I had yellow gloves on and I had an apron and I was cleaning the bathrooms. And I remember saying, nope, I don't think I'm going to make it, you know. And um, I remember hanging up the phone going, Lord, what are you doing? I didn't sign up for this. And he said, yes, you did. You did sign up for this. The Lord transformed my life, my whole thinking about ministry for that three and a half years. I was training and then whatever they needed me to do. So I got to soldier. And Pastor Terry has been a spiritual father to Vanessa and I since I was 19 years old, and he still is to this day. uh, He's still in the church, but that's how I got to sojourn.
1: That's amazing. You know, it's interesting because I tell people all the time, I said some of the greatest miracles ever observed are by those who are serving. They're not the ones on the platform. It's the ones who have a heart of serving. They get to see the interaction of of when Jesus turned water into wine, when Jesus does these miracles, it's it's by in the process of serving that God allows you a revelation into some dynamics and even your own personal life journey and message through this through serving. You know, you were talking about the the toilets and so on, and I remember uh, Dr. Edwin Lewis Cole, who was a founder of the Christian Men's Network and had become like a spiritual father. Of course, we've both been influenced by the ministry, maximized manhood, et cetera. And that's right. Stories that when he was a young minister. And they were at a camp. His job to pay to have to be able to be there was to clean toilets and be in latrines, and and that was his way of paying for him to even be at this pastor's gathering. And one time when he was on his knees cleaning the toilets, he heard some people making fun of him. Some other pastors saying, "Did you see that colon there? He's in there cleaning latrines, you know, and in, in a derogatory way." And he remembers calling that toilet his porcelain altar. He kneeled there and said, "God." I just pray my latter days be greater than my former. And Lord, whatever journey you're taking me through, I want to just honor you and serve you and be who you have called me to be. And I remember even later uh, in my early days, I had an apartment full of people, I think 16, 17 people living in my apartment from the streets and homeless people and at-risk youth. And I remember not having enough room and I get a phone call from the runaway hotline if somebody else needed help. And I remember saying, I have no more room. And I talked to this person on the phone, and I felt really bad, didn't have any room. And I went to the toilet. That was the only place I can go that had any privacy in the in the apartment. I closed the door to the toilet, and got down on the porcelain altar, and I prayed out God. And God said, "There's always room for one more at the foot of the cross." And I won't go into the whole story, but we end up helping that person, getting them into another place, and and so on. But there's something about that place at the porcelain altar that God can do something with all of us if we keep our hearts humble and walking in that place of a heart of serving. I realize every morning when I pray, I'm nothing without God. There That's is great. nothing without him. It's a privilege of his calling and whatever capacity he calls us to be in. And, and as we're faithful, God allows us the other places of stewardship. And look what God has done in your life because you went from janitor and then what's part of the journey because you went to King's University after uh, Christ for the Nations. You've You've gone through this process. You've been at that church how many years now?
0: 26 years. So when I was 19 years old, so Vanessa and I were dating when we came to the church. You think about that, she would, you know, Vanessa is, if you ever meet her, she is the one, like Lisa, who is, uh, they keep me on the straight now. So I you know, I remember coming to the church. This is a funny story. One of the elders kicked me out of the church, removed me because, um because I wouldn't go in, it's in the book, I but I wouldn't go into the service because I had shorts on and he came out. So he was the head of the security team. And he said, Hey, what are you doing here? I said, well, my girlfriend went into the church and I'm, I'm not going to go in, uh, but I'm just going to stay here in the parking lot. And he goes, no, He said, uh, "Either you come into the service or you leave the premises." He goes, "You only have two options." And I was thinking to myself, "I told this elder; he's still on staff. He's still an elder to church today." And I said, "You forgot option three, where I get out of this car and uh, lay hands on you suddenly, like Paul talked about." I left, and I I remember telling Vanessa. She got back in the car. She goes, "Service was so great today." She goes, "You missed out." I go, "We are never." going back to that church ever again. We're going to TD Jakes' church. It's not in there, but I was going to be TD Jakes. I applied to be his bodyguard. I didn't get it. But um I was like we're going to go to we're going to go to Potter's house and Vanessa was like you're going to let the potter do what he's going to do in your life. That's what you're going to do. And we're going to go back and so I was like we're never going to that church again. And we were dating at the time. So next week when we came back to the church, <laughs> we came back and I I remember the the Lord working in me during that time and so we said, so we just said, whatever you want us to serve, we'll serve. Because just like you said, Doug, which I love this about you, and I've heard that story before, and that's why you're like, you're a hero of mine, and I have I have many like that. Alan West, who goes to the church, is a hero of mine. He's a big brother, but just serving with him in different ones. But I remember they said, well, we need help in children's ministry. And I said, I, I can do that. And so I started serving in children's ministry. And then they needed help in junior high youth ministry. And I was like, you know, I can do that. And so I whatever they needed me to step into, that's what I, I did. It's like, well, I've never done it before, but I'll, I'll try, I'll do it. I'll just do it. Because I remember, and this is about your life too, Doug, is that you said this uh to me a long time ago. You probably don't remember but you, you said, Do you remember that Jesus said that I came to serve, not to be served? You you, you may not remember telling me that, but you've said that to me. And that that was something that resonated in my heart as well, because I'm like, it, he didn't it did not just come from Doug. Jesus said that he goes, I didn't come to I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. And so I remember that. And so we I've just served wherever they told me. So family pastor. And so then the elders got together and they said, we will we want to invest in this guy. And so they came together and they said, we want him to go back to school. And so to this day, they've set up in the bylaws that as long as I want to go to school, they'll take care of it. That's, that's, so that's how I got to the King's University. Wow. And so they paid for me to go to school and learn and, and grow. And they're uh, the reason why I'm at Southeastern University, Vanessa and I are both getting our master's degree in divinity in these classes. But just wherever they needed me to serve at Sojourn, that's what I've just done. Family pastor. I still, just the other night, Vanessa was setting up. I still vacuum. I still vacuum because it takes me back to the place where I'm not where it says to me that I'm not too good to do anything else. I want to serve because Jesus, so I still vacuum that. I know where it is. I know where the vacuums are. I know where the cords are. i still pick up paper if I walk down the hall because I never want to forget that place where I came from. The altar, And when I go in the restroom, if something's out of place, I still do that because I never want to forget that this is where I started. And to be honest with you, we're a team. If we all see a family, we all see something going on. It was a place for me of a death. It was a death of what I my plans were is it that's the altar. That's where they they killed stuff. <laughs> that's where stuff was slaughtered. My ego is there's still pieces of it on that altar. So I still I still see sometimes, but the but the Lord was like, This is your place, it's serving my people is the best place you could be. And just like you, you know, Doug, I I didn't know that the Lord was preparing me to be the senior pastor of the church 26 years later. I just wanted to say yes to him. And just you know, Lord, yes. And I'm telling you, there was times I didn't want to say yes. There was times I wanted to say no. That's not me. And He was like, "Uh, "It's not about you." And so those were places in the Lord where the Lord was dealing with me and my wife, Vanessa. So amazing in the fact that she she would say that to me. She reminds me still to this day. She reminds me it's not about. You. Those were thing conversations that we had. And she goes, You never know what God is doing. She goes, You just need to say yes to Him. That's how we continued. We're serving, doing whatever Pastor Terry needed me to do, pouring water on his hands, whatever he needed. That's why I wanted to be him and others. I, I love Him so much because of that. He taught me so, and still is teaching me so much about what it means to be, be in the kingdom and serving. So, Christ for the Nations, the King's University in Southeastern. I'm I'm there because of uh, also because of uh, Dr. Mark Rutland, who was the president of ORU and Southeastern University, and so then he's still he's one of my mentors as well. And so anyway, that's that's the journey. I mean, if st- I'm still on that journey, just like you are, mm-hmm. and many that are watching. We're on the journey of serving. I mean, I'm I've had to dodge some things, you know, but it's I, but of relationships that come because of serving are just amazing. And so I want to say this to you, Doug. I know you don't remember saying that to me when i was younger but i want to say thank you for saying what you said to me even though i know it was in the bible <laughs> but <laughs> but the way you said it you said you remember jesus didn't come i mean i still remember resonating in my heart and my and my soul it's like that's not the reason why he, why he came he didn't come to be to be served he came to serve so i never forgot that so it helped me in my journey mm. and i've been saving this to tell you that <laughs> but i <laughs> i appreciate it very much
1: I was driving yesterday and and was doing a voice memo on notes, and I just put down somewhat position of success and accolades rather than the posture in the Lord. And you said something earlier, not to forget where we've come from. And I think that's been a part of the landmarks for me is to always remind myself, no matter what avenues or doors God has opened or the privilege of his calling, never to forget uh, where I've come from, and, and those early callings of God, those are part of my life message. And because every life experience, if we learn from them, can become part of our life message, because right. it becomes, experiences become a life lesson that become part of our life message. And, and so I, I appreciate you saying that, because it's so true. If we never forget where we've come from, then we appreciate where we are. And I want to get right into um, your book, Shot. In the Dark, One Man's Story of Surrender and Survival. Literally, you were shot twice. And just take us back to that moment, because you were on a, a actually a church a retreat, a hunting trip, and uh, but you yourself were shot twice. Uh, tell, take us back to that moment. I know you just wrote the book. It just came out, Shot in the Dark. I encourage everyone to get this. At the same time, I know you have to relive it every time you tell it, in some regard, but so many life lessons, speaking of experiences, even out of what the enemy meant for harm, you have received so many nuggets and life lessons that you shared to the rest of us because it's part of your life message. Share a little bit about this book and about your journey in writing the book. I love this book. Just And it just,
0: obviously, it just came out. Uh, it's been a, in the making. Um, but the story, the premise of the story of me being shot is a hunting accident But the premise is it's called a shot in the dark. That's a that's a phrase that we say when we are trying to say, I don't know if it's going to work or not, or I don't know if it's going to come to fruition or not, but we'll give it a try. And so I was shot in the dark at nighttime in a hunting accident. But the premise of the book is, is that your life is not a shot in the dark. It isn't I'll just try it and see, but God has a plan for you, He has a purpose for you. He has, He has, you know, the Bible talks about I know the plans that I have for you, saith the Lord, is to give you a future and a hope, not to harm you. Um, but he has he has plans and purposes for your life. And he's and he has charted that out. He says that uh he's the author and the finisher of our faith. That's the premise of the book. But it started with one one morning. I love to hunt. I've been hunting with my father since I was uh about. You know, seven or eight years old, and uh, so I've been hunting all my life. And so when I came on staff uh, at the church, and I found out these guys like to hunt, we would plan a hunting trip every year in in no, November. We deer season, we would hunt. And uh, I remember waking up that morning, and thinking to myself, I I just don't know if I want to go. And my wife, I don't know if she's trying to get rid of me or not, but she's like, "You love to hunt. Get out of here. Pack up and go go hunting." And I was just like, "Okay, you're just trying to get rid of me." But I remember um, when uh, we as a pastors would go, we called it a planning meeting, uh, but we were really hunting, you know what I'm saying? We were, we, we planned little, but we we, we only, the, the deal that we planned was to take food and take game. That's what we were trying to plan. But we would pray and different things. And so I remember that night, knowing that we had to get up early in the morning, I told the guys, I said, hey, I'm going into my cabin because we got to get up at five and I got to be in a deer stand before the sun's up. And so I'm going in. They said, good night but I went a different way than I normally would go because I wanted to pray before I went to to bed. And it was a full moon and there's a place on the property in Athens, Texas. It's a 2000 acre ranch. I wanted to stop by the lake to pray. And I remember I turned off the four wheel and I I was just sitting there, but I can hear a couple of my friends in another ATV. And I was like, I hope they don't come over here because they were interrupting a, a great prayer time, but I could hear them getting closer. And I was like, well, that prayer time's over and they come closer and they got about, I could see a light about a hundred yards away and then 75 yards away. And uh, they shined a light on me, which I thought they saw me because I heard one of the guys in the, um, in the ATV say, do you see him? I go, well, they see me. And so I was just getting ready to put my hand up to say, Hey, I'm over here. When four shots rang out, the first shot came into my side right here. And exited out here uh, on the other side. There's the loudest sound I've ever heard in my whole life. The second bullet came in my arm right here and then lodged right here. I like to tell people that the reason why it lodged is because I was making a muscle as I was going down, but that's not really true. And so as I'm falling off, the other two shots whizz by my head and it's an AK 47 hollow point, 7.62 bullet with a 1.6 turn twist rate. I can't describe to you the pain. It's an intense burning sensation that you can't, I mean, I can, if you've ever seen any John Wayne movies where they shoot and he goes, oh, you got me and they fall over. That's a lie. That, that is not how that works. I mean, i just, just throw that out of your head because it, it hurts so bad. It's intense pain and it's a burning. And And the hole on the exit wound was I could, you could stick your fist through it. It's so, it was so big because it's a design. That bullet is designed to kill. That's what it's. And so they were hog hunting uh, and you can hunt hogs in Texas at night. And I had a black shirt on and all they could see was that. Now that's still, you're not supposed to shoot it at things that you are that you don't know what it is. And I wasn't supposed to be there. So it was a total, complete accident. But immediately the blood started running out of my side. I could feel it gushing out of my side and into my my pants and down into my boots. And I just knew I was going to die. I just knew it. I'd never been shot before, but I just knew I wasn't going to make it. They say that your family flashes, I mean, that your your life flashes before your eyes. But I'll tell you, my family did. And so as they came over to see what they had gotten and they saw that it was me, it was a horrific sight. Death. Was the first thing that came to my mind. And I just remember saying to uh, the man that shot me, who was my best friend at the time. uh, We're still friends, but he's not my best friend. (laughs) And I do frisk him every time I see him. Like, what do you have on? (laughs) Make sure. Turn around, you know, wand him. But he was devastated. And so I said to him, I said, listen, you got to tell my wife I love her. So tell Vanessa that I love her. And that I'm sorry that this happened. And I started going down the list of uh, my kids. I said, Tell Vanessa um, that she's the love of my life and I'm I'm sorry. And I thought, and I said, Tell Ainsley, who's my firstborn. I said, tell, tell Ainsley that I'm sorry I won't be able to walk her down the aisle. You know, even right now, I'm thinking about, you know, just that time laying there, just going, I'm, I'm just not going to make it. And I said, Tell CJ that I'm not going to be able to throw the ball with him anymore. Doug, it's one of those deals. And if you can interject here, you never know. What life was going to throw you, right? You just never, you don't, you have no idea. Here I am serving in church, whatever. I mean, out of the list of things that I thought would happen to me, you never thought that you'd be shot in a hunting accident. And so I'm I'm going down the list. You just so that's why. What I love about you, and I love about somebody cares and the ministry uh, that we've been partnering with. Live life. You have you have shown us that what it means to live life to the fullest every day. You take it to the max. And so I just you never know. What? What? I mean, I I, this was a list of stuff that the Lord would be like, hey, just so you know, when you come into ministry, you're going to get shot. I would not have signed up. (laughs) I wouldn't have signed up for it. I'd have been like, you know what, Lord, why don't you shoot somebody else? You know what I'm saying? Let's let's get somebody else in the crosshairs. But God, it's one of those deals where I just like God. So going down the line, and so my son Luke, who was born, I just said, tell Luke I'm sorry that I'm that this happened and I won't be able to see him anymore. And at the time that you you know, there's that time. Vanessa was pregnant with our fourth child, Braden. I just couldn't fathom that. I said, tell my the last thing I said was tell my unborn daughter that I'm sorry that this happened. And he's sitting there crying. I'm sitting there screaming. And uh, he says, he says, you're gonna tell him. And I was like, no, because a guy had gotten shot with a twenty two, a twenty two rifle two weeks before. And he died, bled out, couldn't get help. And I'm in the middle of the woods, no, in the middle of nowhere. How am I gonna get? I'm not gonna get help. I just like I'm. This is over. This is it. So they left and scrambled to go try to get help. <clears throat> when told Pastor Terry because he heard the shots. If you ever talk to Pastor Terry, he says, in the book, "He goes, I heard the shots." And so when they told me that you'd been shot, he goes, "I knew it was over because I I I know what that sounds. I've been hunting my whole life. I know what it sounds like when the bullet hits." And then I can tell if somebody, he said this before, I can tell if somebody shot a deer by the sound of the shot. Um, so they went and found this the smallest uh, elder that they could find. And at the time I weighed 416 pounds. And so they, they came back to try to lift me and pick me up and put me in the truck. And they drop me on the ground. They pick me up and drop me on the ground after I've been shot. And so they try again. They pick me up. One took a leg, another took another leg, an arm. They pick me up and drop me on the ground twice. This is a part of the story where I tell people like you, some of us, have had friends that have tried to help. They've tried to do things and they've tried to do everything they can only to drop you. They've they've tried everything that they can. You've turned to them and they've, they've turned their back on you or whatever. And so I remember just saying, stop, stop, leave me here. Just leave me here to die. It's okay. I'm I'm ready. Just leave me here to die. And uh, I remember that elder, his name was John Worley. He came over and knelt beside me and he whispered in my ear and he said, Chris, if you are going to get help, you have, you've got to get up and get in the truck. And I was thinking to myself, I'm not getting up and get in the truck. Do you see this big hole inside of me? I can't, I cannot do it. Somehow I did. I put my arm over the gaping hole and I picked myself and threw myself in the back of the truck. And there's a the part where I just say, there's sometimes when people can't help you you have got to get up from that place of where you are no matter where you the enemy has meant for you, evil for you no matter what has happened to you no matter if you have given up on yourself you have got to get Up, You get up. The Bible says, though a man falls seven times, he'll rise again. One of my favorite scriptures is the Bible talks about the steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. He delights in his way. And though he fall, he shall not utterly be cast down because the Lord upholds him with his hand. So even if you fall, then you've got to get up. You may not think you can, but you can. You can get up from that place of depression or oppression because the one who got up out of the grave is the same one that lives in you and is able to help you get up and get to the place that God has for you. So that's what I did. I threw myself in the back of that truck and I was like, I at least made it to the truck. And you know what? Doug, they hit every bump on the ranch that they could find. I mean, they, they would, I mean, literally like there's a bump. Let's hit that one. They just, bam. And just, and I'm bumping all along in the truck. I guess they must not know that I'm back here. I just remember going to the place. I just was like, okay, this is it, Lord. You know, there's a peace that comes over you, Doug, because I know you've, you've won so many people to the Lord. Uh, there's a peace that comes over you. And so I just said, I'm ready to go, Lord, I I'm ready. And I looked around and I said to myself, I've never died before. I don't know how to die, except for, I said, I know what I'll do. I'll do what Jesus, say what Jesus said. You know how we get religious sometimes when we're in those places. And so I remember saying, Lord, I'll say what you said. Into thy hands, I commit my spirit. But I had like one eye open, you know, looking around to see if I had had died. (laughs) And, And I was like, well, maybe I didn't say it right. So I remember I said it again. I said, Lord, into thy hands, into your hands, I commit my spirit. And after the second time I said it, the Holy Spirit, Filled my being. And I remember every prayer that my mother prayed over me, prayers that my dad prayed over me, prophetic words that are spoken into me, prayers that I had prayed just come flooding back into my soul, into my heart, into my mind. I remember when I gave my life to the Lord. I remember when I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I remember when God came in and told me that I was supposed to preach and I was going to live for him. All of that came back into my soul after I said, into thy hands, I commit my spirit. And I began speaking to myself in the back of that truck. Like I said, you're going to live and not die. You're going to make it. You got places to go. You got people to see. You got things to do. My youth back home needs me. My family needs me. So I remember I started speaking to myself and, you know, it's a roller coaster ride because, you know, you I'm full of faith. And then when I saw the ambulance, I was like, I'm going to die. I'm not going to make it. You know, <laughs> it just goes back and forth. You know, they get me to the ambulance and I remember laying there and Pastor Terry, I saw him. He was praying over me. Uh, different ones praying for me, and the pain was just so intense because of my sp- muscles were spasming, trying to get back together. I remember the guy in the in the ambulance saying, "We can't find a vein, Mr. McCray. We can't find one at all." And I looked at this one guy, and he said, "I know." He goes, "There's a vein right under your big toe, right under the toenail." He goes, "We can find that vein." Well, I was like, "Why don't you go get the gun and shoot me in the head again? Why don't we? Why don't we just do that if we're going? Why we're while we're looking for veins I don't know where he got his license to practice medicine uh Walmart Walgreens they just handed him out these days anyway he just he just came up with the broad idea we're going under toenails I'm like we no nobody's going under my toenail to find a vein I don't even know I remember that just as plain as day like get him out of here they called over the over the line and said hey we can't get him any pain medicine and I just was like well it's over and then the helicopter came and it's again it's all in the in the book I remember getting in a helicopter and i could see the pilot i could see the guy over here on the side both sides of me i remember them saying my eyes were kind of close his tired because four hours had gone by and this guy over here looks at this guy and he doesn't know i can see him and he does this everybody knows what that is that's universal you can go across the country everybody knows what that's a cutoff sign like and i just remember saying hey i woke up and said hey goes. I said, what? He goes, yes, sir, Mr. McCray. I was like, what do you mean by that? He goes, well, Mr. McCray, you stopped talking to us. And so we just thought it was over. It's like, we could talk about anything you want to talk about. <laughs> and this is where in the, in the message when I talk about in the book where I just said some of you and been this year of COVID, all the things in the family, the enemy has given you the cutoff sign. He has tried to say that you don't matter, that it's over for you, but God has the final word over your life. He has a final word. He is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all you could ask or think according to the power of God that's in us. And so I just say, the enemy may have given you the cutoff song, sign, but God... He is, he's faithful. He's able, he's able to do what we cannot do. And I, so the rest of the story is uh, there's so much packed in the book. There's so much there. I I love it. It's a, it really is a good book. It's a good read. It's a good book. I love that the fact that your wife read it, she grabbed me by the arm at the men's um, at, and she just said, this book is amazing. And I, I love the fact, because I, I want people to read it and be blessed, but here's the, the gist of it. I'm still here. So no matter what you face, no matter what you go through, God is the one. He said, even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you'll fear no evil because God's with you. And his rod and his staff comforts us. We've had some crazy things happen in COVID and all the other different things that are going on, but we're still here. So there's still plans and purposes that God has for us. And I hope that didn't take too, too long, but I just wanted oh, to I love it. There's so much in the book. But it's a, it's a great story of redemption and surrender because I didn't know, it took seven months for recovery. And then when my daughter was born, uh, Brayden was born, we were both in the hospital because I was getting surgery and my wife was having having uh, the baby in the same hospital. <laughs> and so
1: God is, he's a hes a miracle working God. You're, were you in the hospital at the exact same time she was having the baby? That's or right. It... Yes, sir. Oh my gosh. I
0: was in one hospital room. And then Vanessa was in another hospital room having a
1: baby. We were in the same hospital, Plano Presby, right over here. Yeah, God is good. In one of your chapters in your book, Shot in the Dark, you talk about finding normal. How do you find normal in the midst of that kind of intense? You know, there's got to be a lot of stress and anxiety that came already. The initial tragedy of what happened. But what about the process of trying to get back and trying to get back to some normality in your life? How do you find normal? One of the things that I, it's its hard. So some of it, you have to find a
0: new normal. A new normal has to do with you not settling on the things just because I've always done something a certain way. I've always done it this way. We've always done it this way. It's like, God's like, well, my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. So I want to find his way. A lot of people don't know this. And Doug, you have said this before, but there's a ton of people that have gone through some traumatic experiences. They've gone through trauma. Trauma is a major issue uh, that people have gone through. And so I remember having to do some healing. Somebody asked me the other day to go, do you still hunt? I go, yes, sir. I do hunt. But it was hard for me to watch uh, shoot 'em up movies or whatever anymore. Or John Wick or any, any of those other movies or whatever. It's hard for me to watch any of that stuff until the Lord healed me because there was trauma there. And Pastor Terry, because he's a great father and different ones, walked me through that traumatic experience, prayed for me. I remember him saying, Chris, we got to go back to the place. We got to go back to that spot. I go, I'm not going. I can't. He goes, Yes, you can. He goes, I'll go with you. And see, a lot of people don't understand this, but having someone walk with you during those things is really a blessing. So Pastor Terry walked with me. He said, Let's go. And so I walked with him back to the same place that I've got that I got shot. And he prayed over me and there was a healing process. It is a normal, fine term normal, but it's a new normal. It's what God is saying. And he's like, well, did he, he, he didn't cause that. But he says, the promise is that he'll be with you. The promise is that he'll never leave you. The promise is that he'll be right. When you go through the fire, when you go through the flood, he says, I'll be right alongside with you. And so that's how you can walk that out. So I I still still hunt to this day. I still love shooting. But the Lord had to take me back. He had to walk me back. And so there was a courage there to be healed. I wanted to be healed. He asked me, just like he did the man at, at the pool. Do you want to be healed? Do you want to be made whole? The answer is yes. But really, the answer is, well, he said, I don't have anybody to help me get down into the pool. Well, that's not what he asked. (laughs) He said, do you want to be made well? If the answer is yes, if the answer is yes, then God is always willing to just let, let me walk you through this healing. Sometimes it's not instant. Seven months is a long time. I had to learn how to walk. I had to learn how to. They uh, the bullet took out some intestines, and it hit. You tell me, did it hit any major or just, So there's a hole in me, and I had to heal from. I had a. I had to walk around with a machine for seven months, because the machine caused me to heal. Listen at this. This is good. This is in a book from the inside out. The Lord wants us to heal from the inside out. Luke 4, 18, and 19 has to do with that. So I hope that answers your question.
1: That's what I love about you, but also about your book. I mean, it definitely keeps your attention. It's uh filled with so much uh, intrigue, but at the same time, because you you live it out reading your story, but at the same time, you you've got it reeled with so many life lessons in here and spiritual analogies that go with it. In fact, In your chapter, Messages from the Mess, you start off by saying pain is not an enemy. And I was thinking about some friends of mine, Vietnam veterans, that I went with them to Vietnam in 1990 because many of them had survivor's guilt from their friends that they had served with that had passed. So I went there listening to their stories and turning what the enemy meant for harm, so to speak, and turning them into opportunities for their own life message, and for their own healing. Kind of unpack that for a moment in the last couple minutes we have. How do you come to the point of saying pain is not your enemy? What we talk about is that
0: pain is an indicator that there's something wrong. Uh, we want to get rid of the pain, but God uses everything. You notice that in the scriptures, if you use, if you see Jesus, I mean, he fed, fed the 5,000 men, and they're not including women and children. So there's a massive that he, that he fed. He takes up the bread. And he, he, he takes it up because he doesn't, he doesn't just throw any, he uses everything. And so pain, people look at pain and just like, they don't want to deal with pain. But if you can see that pain is really, they say this in the mind, but it is an indicator that you can use that God uses every part of your life, even the pain problems and the things that are in your life, emotional pain, mental pain, physical pain. He uses those those things so that not just we're like, well, I got pain in my life and, and it just won't go away. Instead of saying, Lord, would you take it away? Lord, what are, what are you wanting? Because he does, he does heal pain. So I'm, please don't hear me saying that he doesn't heal pain. Oh my goodness. But pain is not an enemy. It can be an ally to get you to the place that God has you. Uh, there's things that I learned through this painful ordeal that I would have I never. Like, do you want to get shot again? No, sir. There will not be a sequel. There will not be shot in the dark two or three or for any of those. They can they, they have all the diehard fives and all the John Wick three, all that stuff. I don't want to get shot again. So Lord, I, I thank you that I've learned that lesson. So, but I, but I'm saying that you can use pain and the mess that's in your life to turn it into a message. And that's what, that's what this has been. The, the things that I've learned and the Lord has spoken to me during that process is what I'm using now to try to help people all around the world, a death in the family or a problem in your finances or a problem in a depression. Mental health is one of the deals that I love, that I believe the Lord has called me to, to really try to help because people don't really understand the depth of mental disorders. God uses every bit of it in our lives to help us be a, be a platform to be able to show his purposes and plans. He's like, are you are you trying to say that God calls it? Here's what I'm saying. God uses it. He causes it to be used in your life. Not a because if you look at it and be like, I don't want that in my life. And I'm saying, look, you can use those things that was a pain factor. I remember when I was laying in that bed, hospital bed, and I woke up the next morning, Doug, and I looked there and I saw the opening in my stomach. And I looked up and I'm just passed right back out. I just remember just passing right back out after seeing that. The lady, her name was Bertha, she was my nurse. Oh my gosh, she was big. And she was like, you're going to get up out of this bed today. I was like, Bertha, I'm not getting out of this bed. She goes, oh, yes, you are. So I was like, no, ma'am, I like it here. She goes, you're going to get up and you're going to walk today. I was like, did you know I just got shot yesterday? She goes, I know it, big boy, but you're going to get up out of this bed. I remember me telling her that I'm not, we're arguing and I'm not getting out of the bed. The next thing I knew... I was sitting up in the bed arguing with her that I'm not getting out of the bed. The next thing I knew my feet had hit the floor and I said, I can't do it. She goes, you're going to do it. I go, I can't. And so the next thing I knew I had taken a step and she goes, you can do one more. And I, all I did that day, the next day was take two steps. That was all I did. It was hurt. It hurt everything within me just hurt. It was pain, but it was that pain that caused me to take those two steps that caused me to be able to walk up out of that hospital. God uses every bit of it. I hope that makes sense. That's what I'm saying. God uses pain. He uses these things so that we can be stronger. I know uh, I saw a meme the other day, Doug, it was kind of funny. It was this guy on a phone and the meme said, I'm just calling the Lord to make sure that he knows that I'm not on the strong warriors list this next year. Just saying make sure that he takes me off of that list. Like, no, (laughs) you are a strong warrior. God has called you to great things. And even the pain he uses for his glory so that he can be glorified.
1: Amen. That brings a whole new understanding to all things work together for the good of those that are called according to his purpose. It's amazing how God's grace, even in the midst of our most difficult trials, and you even mentioned that, At that time when you were shot, you were 400 and something pounds, 416 pounds. I lost 120
0: pounds after that, because that was a journey, a start of a journey of God just aligning my life. 416 pounds. I mean, you know, just like that's not healthy. And so God has caused me to I've lost another person going back to school, getting education. All these things fall in the line. Now, I I said somebody said to me the other day to go, did you have to get shot? To do that, like, you know, not necessarily, but God does
1: cause all things to work together for good. Amen. Your book, A Shot in the Dark, still proves the fact that that we're on a journey, that we are met with unexpected detours at times. When none of us set out to say, I can't wait, like you said, to get shot, or I can't wait to, to do this, or I can't wait to fail. Whatever their challenge has been. Uh, no one sets out to fail. No one sets out to be hurt. No one sets out to go through these unexpected detours. In this unexpected detour and others that you still probably have to confront, even as a pastor, even as a leader, as an author, as an international communicator, how do you daily address keeping your perspective and focus in a world that's so messed up right now? And, And just kind of share your heart on that.
0: One of the things that I remember, uh, Pastor Terry, who's
1: like I said, is a, a very great
0: father, him and Susan to me, but he would always say to me, he goes, Chris, you, you as a young guy, he goes, you're always trying to get somewhere. He goes, remember, you know, you're on this journey. He goes, but remember, the journey is the destination. Mm-hmm. It's the journey. You, you're trying to get to a destination. I'm trying to get you to enjoy the journey with me. The walk it's the walk down the Emmaus Road. It's the journey. And they said, when we walked with him that our hearts not burned within us, it was the journey. So everybody's trying to get somewhere We're trying to move here trying to get here guys like enjoy the journey. And so it is a process you wake up in the morning you, you don't think that you're going to get shot you think that you're going to have all these issues or whatever. But in the midst of that if you can, you know, the Lord is the one who guides and leads and guides us he says that. He says that as your steps are ordered by him, as you walk with him, as you continue. Moses said, Lord, I don't want to go from this place unless your presence goes before us. How else are they going to know that we're the people of God unless your presence go before us? It's one of those things where we are carriers of the presence of God. My journey, I look back on it. I was talking to our staff this morning. I look back on it and I can see not only the footprints in the sand i see the places where where he just was with me and so i don't want to do this journey without him we are nothing even the the cleaning of the bathrooms and the worship center the different things that are going on these tragic issues and stuff now there's an international stage and in presence um being a a, a black man who's a, who's a conservative you know, a conservative black man who's 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 trying to get people in in this, even in this political arena, you can look around and say, Man, things are bad. But G- think about this season we're in. Think about this. This is a Christmas season. Jesus was born in a place where things were just awful, and it was a perfect plan for God to send his son in the earth for us right now. And so we think things are bad. It was bad in Jesus's time as well, and he was a perfect plan. And so Jesus is still the answer for the world. Whether it's somebody cares or sojourn church or any church that proclaims the name of Jesus, we are in an opportunity and a place that where we live life to the fullest. And God has empowered us through his spirit to be able to proclaim this message, this gospel message, so that people can be reached. I think and I along with you, Doug, that this is our finest hour. We are in a place right now. Think about this. God thought it upon himself to pray, to have you in this place at this time for such a time as this. That's exciting to me. What in the world is the church? It's time for the church to stand up and get a backbone, a jawbone, and a tailbone and stand up and be who God's called us to be. Are you a Democrat, Chris? Or are you a Republican? I'm a Christian, and so because of that, I'm gonna stand on biblical principles. Yes, we got some things messed up in our country. Yes, there are some things that are bad, but what a place for the church to arise and shine for the light has come and the glory of the Lord is risen. And guess what? The glory of the Lord has risen upon us. I get excited about this time. That's why we, if you guys are listening to this, that is why we support Doug Stringer and Somebody Cares and his ministry, because they are doing a great work in the earth. And we've been supporting it. Doug, you know this. We've been supporting you guys for a long time. We've been partnering with you guys for a long time. I want to give it our all what a time for the church. And I know you're like, calm down. I can't calm down. God is doing some great things in the earth and he wants to use us to do it. Think about that. We are in a greatest time. But he's like, Chris, look at our our political system and look at all the things that are going on with the president and all this stuff. Man, I pray for Biden and I pray for Kamala. I'm praying for everybody. What do you think is going to happen? Here's what I know. You guys, want to, you guys ready for this? This is all I, I know. The ballots are in. All the votes have been cast. Jesus is still on the throne. And he's the ruler and he's supreme. He's a powerful one. And Psalms 2 says, why do they set themselves against me? Why do they set themselves in array? And why do they imagine vain things? Why are they thinking of these things? He who sits in the heavens, he'll laugh. He's laughing. I'm laughing with him. And it's because his anointed one is on the throne. It's a great time for the church. And it's a great time for us to be alive and to set out on the journey and remember that the journey is a destination.
1: Well, Chris, thank you so much. And I could just, just sit and listen to you for hours and appreciate you taking the time. And would you just pray for those who are maybe going through their own challenges that they would keep their focus of the destination as well?
0: Lord, I do just want to thank you for this time. I want to thank you, Lord, for just all that you're doing right now, what you're doing in and through us. I want to thank you, Lord, for everyone who's watching. Those that are watching, some of them uh, that'll be listening to this later, I'm praying, Lord, that you would cause there to be an individual revival that sets forth in the lives of those Uh, of those that will be watching this or listening to this, Uh, I want to thank you, Lord, for Doug. I want to thank you, Lord, for him and his family, his ministry. And I just pray, Lord, that whatever anyone is going through right now, whether it's a financial situation, a physical ailment, or whatever it is, fear, as I know fear is trying to, is so widespread. I'm asking you, Lord, would you cause, Lord, there, not just a spiritual revival, but a spiritual renewal that will take place In the body of Christ, for such a time as this, I am thankful, Lord, for all that you are doing. And I just sense that even right now as I'm praying, there's somebody right now that you're struggling with uh, direction on what to do, your business uh, that's struggling with that, or you may be struggling with a wayward child or or whatever it is that you're praying for. I believe everybody, everybody is trusting God for something. And so I'm praying, Lord, that the God that watches over his word to perform it, the God who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, the God of wonder, the one who we set our faith in. Your word says that some people trust in chariots, some in horses, but we will trust in the name of our God. And I hear the Lord saying this. It's in the Scriptures that the name of the Lord is a strong tower and the righteous can run into his name and be safe. So I thank you, Lord, that not only are people wanting to survive, because it says that my book talks about surrender and survive. I hear the Lord say, Not only you survive, but God's called you to thrive during this time so that people can see his, see your good works, see what God has done in your life and the testimony of his goodness and see that you would have fainted. You would have lost heart if you had not seen the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. So I'm thankful, Lord, that we're still alive. And if we're alive, you got work for us to do. So we surrender to you. So some of you may need to just say this, Lord, I surrender. I surrender to your your leading, the journey. And we say yes to you, yes to your will, yes to your way. And we thank you, Lord, that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, lives in us, and quickens our mortal body. And we thank you, Lord, for that. And we know this, Lord, not only are you working all things together for good, <laughs> I'm a living testimony of this one, Lord. No weapon formed against us shall prosper. And every tongue that rises up against us in judgment, we'll condemn. And we thank you, Lord, for that in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Amen. Amen. And again, if you haven't get this book, Shot in the Dark one man's story of surrender and survival. And so it's amazing book, not just the story of Chris McRae, but so many nuggets of life lessons and and spiritual nuggets in here as well. Pastor, thank you so much for taking your time with us today. Such an honor and look forward to the next time we get to hang out together. And of course, really appreciate the partnership over all these years. We hope you enjoyed this episode of A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends and ask you to prayerfully consider supporting the ministry at somebodycares.org or by texting your donation amount to 805-422-7348. Please join us again for A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and friends.